the only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the place for daily Premier League podcasts every day of the football season, of which the countdown is on. Just two and a half weeks to go before the first ball of 2022-23 is kicked, and we'll be with you every step of the way with a new show every 24 hours during the campaign. If you've never listened to Football Social Daily before, welcome along. Here's what we've got coming up on the show today. Could Jesse Lingard sign for Nottingham Forest? Not as far-fetched as it might initially seem, as the Premier League newcomers have supposedly put together a substantial offer to sign him. Will Lingard end up in the city famous for where Robin Hood stole from the rich and gave to the poor? But no such Robin Hood tales when it comes to Manchester City, though. We know their riches, but even they have turned their nose up at the opulence of PSG, according to the latest reports. French newspapers claim that Paris have offered Neymar to City in exchange for Bernardo Silva and Pep Guardiola said no thank you. And finally Manchester United have continued their fine start to pre-season with a 3-1 win over Crystal Palace but the news from the game is that Harry Maguire was once again booed by the crowd this time not in Manchester but 10,000 miles away in Melbourne Australia. He didn't play badly so the question is why the boos? All of that to come on today's show. My name's Niall and with me we've got Ian Brannan today who decided that on the hottest day of the year he travelled to a place where there's beautiful sand. Of course I'm talking about Wolverhampton Speedway track. How you doing Ian? Uh, (laughs) Yes, well it was wonderful. It was very warm. Um, But um, yeah, the the, the tide never came in. That was the big big, uh, difference. But uh, (laughs) cooler today on the uh, the northeast coast. Very fresh. With those Speedway bikes, I know it's out in the open and they're they're going round and the kind of the the legs are over quite quickly. But I imagine they kick out a bit of heat, don't they? So, you know, with it being a heat wave in the UK, I'm sure standing pretty close to those bikes is not going to be the, the coolest of experiences. Yeah, well, you see, I did look out, though, because I was commentating on the on the, on the the match. And um, look, amazingly, considering this has not happened at any point since March through the course of the season, the commentary box was air-conditioned. So, uh, <laughs> w- winner, winner, chicken dinner. I think the thing is that the, the, it's, the, it's more like the body armour that the riders have to wear because they're, they're very well protected underneath their, like, these Kevlar race suits they have and there's all sorts of padding. But So, with all that on, uh, it's very hot for the guys, but a lot of them are Australians, so they're, they're a bit more acclimatised to the weather than perhaps uh, your average person around Wolverhampton uh, was on, uh, on Monday night. But... Uh, yeah, still pretty warm for those boys, though. And um, hey, I'll just take this opportunity while it's here. The new official British Speedway podcast is out yes, now. Absolutely. Part of the Sports Social Podcast <laughs> with a, Network. With, a, with an Australian guy who t- is talking about how warm it is and how he's keeping cool. So uh, there you go. Well, we'll be talking about Australia later on in the show because Man United played Crystal Palace in pre-season in Melbourne yesterday and it was pretty cold over in Australia. It's a bit weird to see people in coats and gloves when normally it's the other way around. Uh, alongside Ian today, someone who's been waiting two days to respond to our pasty chat from Monday's <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm not sure. This is going to sound strange. Is this the first time you've got changed for the last couple of days with the weather we've had? Yeah, I I mean, even now I'm sat here in, in just just my shorts. I've, I've ditched the t-shirt. I'm absolutely roasting, but uh, yeah, ready to fight back. I, I mean, I listened back to Monday's podcast um, just after the thing, and people taking shots at me for eating a, eating a few pasties. So I was like, oh, where's this come from? Don't go into the office one day <laughs> and uh, end up taking shots from uh, from whoever's in there. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll think of some comebacks when I'm on Friday's show with uh, with you and Joel. 
So what's it been then? Is it been pasties been, or has it been, been ice creams and beers? <laughs> nothing. You're just not eating anything uh, for two days. Uh, just <laughs> ice lollies. Ice lollies and loads of, loads of water. Yeah. Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Right, let's talk about what we've seen on the back pages rather than the front pages. As the heat waves cooled down, but the interest has heated up in Jesse Lingard, the free agent who left Manchester United at the end of last season. He's been heavily linked with West Ham, who are a club he spent some time on loan at at the end of last season. Not the one just gone, but the one before. Sky Sports are reporting that Nottingham Forest of all clubs, have put together a substantial offer to sign Jesse Lingard. Now, this is one that took me by surprise when I saw it pop up this morning on my phone, Ian. It would be a pretty significant signing, a marquee signing for Nottingham Forest if they managed to pull this one off. Well, it will be, but that, I think maybe they've they've seen what's required to stay in the you know the premier league because you can't you know it's all right having this money that comes your way and 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 all that but you can't sit on it you know look at the clubs that have done that and often they they go down and you've 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 got to be ambitious you've got to live within your means but if it all pays off and you stay in the premier league then it's going to pay for itself isn't it and it is going to be ambitious um it's going to be very different from the the sort of player that they've signed before but if you want to um guarantee um not, not so much guarantee survival but but give you, yourself the best chance of survival you need to have the right sort of players that have got the experience and also the players that are going to attract interest around the world as well you know you've got to sell these shirts uh, and 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 people who are fans of Jesse Lingard will you know some of them won't care what club he's playing for they'll they'll follow him regardless uh, he was reportedly holding out for quite a lot of money £180,000 a week is um, certainly what his, his aim was. Um, whether Nottingham Forest are going to do that or not, and maybe the, the promise of, of regular first-team football with a World Cup in mind, you know, and any port in a storm perhaps is, is also the thinking, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great for Nottingham Forest. Um, and I say, they've, they've waited so long to get promoted and, you know, they, they've got to do the job right so they, they can't go around signing guff. You know, they need they need experienced Premier League players and they're going to cost money. Yeah, I think you're right, Ian. And I think I probably agree with you almost 100% in what you say with the fact that you need to sign players if you've just been promoted that are proven in the league that are going to give you that experience and give you that quality. And I think Lingard has got both of those things. Do you think Forrest might have looked like Ian says, Marley, at clubs like Norwich who have come up to the Premier League two or three times in the last five years and not really signed anyone or the players they have signed haven't quite been up to it. Do you think that they've looked at those other clubs that have dropped back down into the championship and thought, we've been away for 23 years, we're not letting this slip now. We need to make sure that we really do give ourselves the best possible chance of staying up. Yeah, you've, you've got to spend, you know, you, you, it's naive to think, oh, well, you know, we've got a, a team that's done well in the championship, we're going to... Uh, you know, stay in the Premier League with these players. That's that's just naive. I think you've got to got to look at what previous teams have done. You know, there's a, there's a lot of middle ground between Norwich um, and their their sort of um, approach to to transfer business, and there's a lot of middle middle ground between them and, and someone like Fulham who who come up every two years, have a, a reputation of spending a lot uh, and going straight back down and. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of examples about how not to do it. I remember remember QPR back in like 2011, 12 or whatever, and they 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 just splooged away 
100 odd million on players like Esteban Graniero and, and Sandro and Chris Samper and all these people and they went straight back down quicker than you know quicker than an anchor on a ship they went down so fast it was mad uh, it was mad it was terrible business so there's middle ground to have as I say but you know I think Forrest have, have not done too amazingly in the market so far I think they've signed four or five players I don't think I've ever heard of any of them, if I'm honest. That Bianconi from, uh, I think it was Tuar, the club. No idea about him. Uh, Awaniyi did all right at uh, Union Berlin. He was a kind of a surprise package in, in, um, in the Bundesliga last year. But you know, he, I think he's only done it for one season. If you look at the way Union Berlin were going, they they were sort of a, an underdog, like fighting above their weight type of thing. I'm not really sure if he's going to have what it takes to, to step up. Then you've got young, your young lads like Brennan Johnson, who's completely untested in the Premier League. I think it's going to be a big step up for him. So you've got to have these players who can bet in. And the only thing I would say about the players that they've signed is none of them have Premier League experience. Um, Bianconi, Awaniyi. Um, they've signed Niakite, I think, from, from a German club. Um, he's, he's never played in the Premier League before. And I just think they're going about it in a... In a certain way, which doesn't quite seem, you know, right for me. But I, I do think they've got the best manager of the three in the uh, of the three coming up, um, and I don't think it's impossible for them to stay up by any means. But um, I'm not really sure about this. But the the whole Lingard thing, I'd be amazed if this came off because, you know, you're talking about close to two hundred grand a week. It's a hell of a gamble to to take on on one player. Like it's huge huge numbers and it 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 can only really go wrong really I, I, I can't see it like Lingard's not going to stay at Nottingham Forest if they go down next year it might cripple them if they do go down next year and they've, and they've took you know I don't know how much 180 grand is over the course of a season but if they go back down and you know struggle in the in the championship for a little bit you know you've, you've spent all this money on Lingard and if he's, he's like one injury or one bad spell of form away from it being a complete waste of money so if I was them I'd, I'd try and pick a more uh, conservative sign in to be honest. So Nottingham Forest interested according to the newspapers but West Ham we know Ian have been interested for ages they wanted to sign him last summer Manchester United said no and so this summer they've got a chance to pick him up as a free agent but I'm not sure they would have been expecting competition from Nottingham Forest so is this an ambitious ploy from Forrest to get someone who they think can help them stay up? Or is this alternatively going to give West Ham a kick up the backside as if to say, right, OK, we're, we're actually in some serious competition here? Well, it sounds like they, they have been really trying to get Lingard in all summer. From what I've read, you know, David Moyes has been trying all summer. Um, obviously, he likes him. He's played there before. But West Ham, from the reports I've seen, have been growing frustrated with the talks with Lingard and his team and really questioning whether... Actually, he really wants to play for them, uh, saying that really he, he should be all bit back in preseason training by now. If you know, if all was was well, um, so they're finding it hard work. There's question marks there as to whether Lingard wants to be there. Um, David Moyes is keen to bring in a player like Lingard, and I think obviously he's the preferred option. But they they can't get the deal done for whatever reason. 
Uh, and maybe that is that he doesn't want to be in London. Uh, maybe he just doesn't want to play for West Ham. Who knows what that is? Um, so as a result, West Ham are reportedly looking at uh, other options, including Blackburn's Ben Breton Diaz is uh, is their backup. Um, but yeah, it looks like it looks like uh, Lingard doesn't want it. It seems, or someone in his in, in in the process on his side doesn't want it because West Ham's saying that you know they're trying and they can't get anywhere. I mean, why is it taking so long, Ian? That would be the question I would ask. Why, why is it taking so long for Jesse Lingard to get a club? Because we know West Ham have been interested for ages. There's been talks that he could be offered to clubs in America. I mean, this is a player who has played international football. He's played for a, a huge club with a massive profile in Manchester United albeit hasn't been that successful in recent years but still this is a player who I'm sure a lot of clubs would be interested to sign so why do you think it's taken so long we're now two weeks into pre-season and he still doesn't have a club I think that the the price I think the the fact that he's holding out for a hundred and eighty thousand pounds a week which is what's reported um Everton Leicester Tottenham Newcastle have all inquired apparently um, but the, the the weekly wage demand is just I think it's not so much that these clubs whether they can afford it or not but it, it really just throws a problem into the wage structure of clubs you know with, with players going hang on a minute <laughs> Jesse Lingard £180,000 a week and I'm on whatever I've got you know there's not many clubs that, that really are you know Leicester Everton Tottenham you know they're, they're not known for really going berserk with, with the cash Newcastle obviously a different kettle of fish yes they can afford it but if you put Jesse Lingard on £180,000 a week. You know, what does that say to the rest of the squad? Uh, you know, who are well, well paid. That's but... one of the reasons why we've walked away. <laughs> well, that's this is what it's you a, know, everybody's yeah. had a sniff and gone, nah. Well, this is it. This is what I'm saying. You know, the, 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 the sheer wage demands and the deal that he wants just blows everybody else out of the water. And at the end of the day, we're the best one in the world. You know, we're, we're not talking um, about, you know, Erling Haaland or someone like that here we're talking about Jesse Lingard and and really he it just it just screws up the whole market you know signing a player like that without casting preconceptions or unfair judgments Marley is it time for Jesse Lingard to step up and become a senior player is it time for him to really wherever he goes next whether it's Forest or West Ham or somewhere else is it time for him to to come and be a senior figure in a squad because he's 29. So, you know, you're talking about someone who's experienced enough in the game now. He's played enough first team games, probably hundreds over his career by this stage. But yet we still see him or or some people consider him as this kind of childish um, figure who, who likes a bit of a mess around and likes to enjoy himself. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's good that players show expression and they show character. But being a senior player is not something that's often associated with Jesse Lingard, despite the fact that in stature he probably is. But in the in his mannerisms, in the way he acts, there are some people that suggest he isn't. So is it time for him to kind of, wherever he goes next, knuckle down and be that senior player that everyone knows he can be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking about uh, about Lingard the other day, actually, and, and thinking... Because like, I went on holiday for a couple of weeks in June, I thought, I wonder if he's if he's got a club and I've just missed it. You know, I've just... hasn't haven't noticed it but I mean still he's there I mean like you said it's a it's the 20th of July today clubs came back to pre-season on the first week in July like the first or the fourth or whatever the, whatever it may be whatever date it may be uh, Jesse Lingard has done nothing since January like he hasn't played for Man United he's been running down his contract 
Um, he's barely been playing a game, not like not in uh, not in the the cups or in in league games or anything like that under Rangnick. And then you've uh, you know you, you've got your you've got your future in, ahead of you then because you know you're going to be free in the summer. What have you done for the last six months, and why is it now taking to the point where you're two weeks behind everyone in pre-season to to sort out your next club? Like only today he's getting linked with Nottingham Forest. Like if he ends up at Nottingham Forest, it's only just came around. It's just it's bizarre how he's he's just wasted his career in my opinion. I think he's made such bad choices all through his career. Like he, he should have left Man United when he wasn't getting games uh, a few years ago. He should have pushed pushed hard to get a, a move the summer off the back of the West Ham deal. He instead he got sold probably fake fake promises um, about how he was going to get more games and stuff under under Solskjaer at the time, but then they went and signed Sancho and then they signed you know, they signed Bruno Fernandes before that and that affected his game time. They still had Juan Mata and Rashford coming through and there was you know, there was never a, a clear path for him into the first team unless he unless he, he he threw up something big, you know, and started playing ridiculously good football. And then he had six good months at West Ham. It's like he's trying to dine out on that for the next for his next move. Like I don't understand how if if he wants 180 grand a week, I don't understand how he believes he's worth that, because the the six good months at West Ham were fantastic, but they were uh, they were 18 months ago now, you know they were they were a long time ago. So I know everyone saying like he can do it, and I believe he can get back to that level as well. And I think he he, he could conceivably go to the World Cup, but not. I just don't expect him to because I don't expect him to get this next choice right because he hasn't done it before. He's been at Man United all his career. He's nearly 30. He's 30 in October, I think. So by the time the World Cup rolls around, he'll be 30 years old. And that is, that's scary because I don't think he's done anything with his career in terms of in terms of potential. I think he had a lot more. Not not like one of the best in the country style, but still, like there's there's worse players than him that have won 30 or 40 England caps, I think. But... He's not he's not managed his career well, I don't think. And the fact that he's still he's still as he is on social media and stuff, it winds a lot of people up. Some people yes, it's expression, but it doesn't it doesn't sort of give you the, the view of Lingard that he wants to knuckle down and, and smash uh you know, smash it on the training ground every every week, does it? And then when you roll up in his age and say, Right, he wants hundred and eighty grand a week, twenty grand a goal, uh and another two million if you stay in the Premier League, if it happens to be Nottingham Forest. You know they're gonna go. What? Why? You know it's it's silly. Yeah, I mean this has been going on for ages. I feel like throughout the whole summer we've spoken about Jesse Lingard at least once a week, and it is quite surprising that he hasn't found a club yet. Could Nottingham Forest be that next destination for Lingard, or will it be West Ham? Will it be someone somewhere else? Well, why don't you let us know? We've got a brand new Twitter page for this podcast at FSD Pod on Twitter, so get in touch with us. Make sure you set, uh, follow us as well on Twitter. We'll be posting all the latest stuff to do with the podcast on there. You can still follow us on our Sports Social Podcast Network page as well, which is at the Sports Social on Twitter. But at FSD Pod is the new Twitter handle for this podcast, so get in touch. And Marley just a second ago mentioned choices. Well, according to the French press, Pep Guardiola's had a choice to make when it comes to a swap deal for one of his players and a genuine footballing superstar. We'll talk about that next after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Manchester City were offered Neymar earlier this week. That's according to French press who claimed that PSG offered a swap deal, Neymar, for Bernardo Silva. But Manchester City and Pep Guardiola rejected that proposal. Now, you've spoken before on the podcast, Ian, about Neymar, the Brazilian, who is a, a genuine footballing superstar in my eyes. He's one of the biggest players in the world. I think his numbers suggest that he's one of the best players in the world as well. But it seems a bit odd that PSG would offer one of their prized assets in exchange for Bernardo Silva, who is undoubtedly an excellent player. But it just seems a bit of a strange one, this. It's not one that I thought I'd be seeing this summer. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think it's um, probably more agents um, maybe getting involved here and and, 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 and trying to, to make something out of nothing. Um, it does seem weird. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's with Paris Saint-Germain at the moment in Tokyo, I think, is, is where he's at at the minute. Um, and obviously he's, he's an incredible player, but, you know, Manchester City are, are not a, a place that are going to be going round signing everybody. Uh, I, I think maybe because if you're playing at PSG, there's there's probably only a certain amount of places you can go to get the similar sort of terms um and if he if he's interested in a move or he wants to do something different then you know i guess he's he's going to have to to head there and of course he's got previous with um with pep guardiola in in the past um but yeah it it, it just seems like a bit of a rumor that's that's got out of control um and maybe they're seeing an opportunity with you know raheem sterling moving on and and jesus and you know, Erling Haaland has obviously moved in there, so maybe now the focus moves a bit more to Man City being the kind of in-vogue club as such. Um, but, yeah, it certainly doesn't seem there's much appetite for it from the Manchester City end at, at this moment, at least. But, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. But, um, yeah, it just seems like that one's come out of the blue. And it's always interesting when the club themselves are <laughs> kind of confused where that rumour's come from that there probably is fairly little in it. I think that the fact that where I picked this up from this morning was a an online gossip column and yet it's been reported as news in a French newspaper. I think that that shows maybe where the discrepancies are with this one. But regardless, would you have liked to have seen Neymar in the Premier League, Marley? I mean, we talk about the best players to do it in the last 20, 25 years. And particularly in the, in, in the last 10, I'd say that Neymar is one of those players, along with Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, who kind of make up that trio or top five of, of best players in the world over a period of time. So it would have been an interesting thing to see him in the Premier League. Would you have liked to have seen him move? Yeah, I mean, I always want to see the best players in, in the Premier League. It's no different with with Neymar. I think um, the the timing's always been a little bit wrong, and that's what I get from this as well. I, I agree it's a bit just uh, paper talk. They're probably thinking it's not that hard to put two and two together. You know, there's, there's rumours of, of Bernardo wanting to leave Man City. It has been for for two years now and as well Neymar you know there's been rumours this year that they want um, that they're open to, to getting rid of Neymar PSG maybe to free up the wage uh, demands for, for other players and, and maybe to let, to let him go and you know have another challenge somewhere else I think ideally he'd be back at Barcelona but that ship has sailed and they're going to have to sell Probably sell the new camp all over again to afford him with their their uh, their 
financial records at the minute. But I think with um, <laughs> with this, it's it it doesn't really make any sense. I think I'm I'm trying to picture Bernardo Silva in Paris, and I I just don't think he he fits. I don't think he's um, if you think about Bernardo Silva, he's almost like a normal guy who plays football. If you look at look at how he dresses and stuff, he just dresses like a normal person. Like you see footballers wearing brands and and all sorts of like garish gear. And you look at him, he just looks like a, a geography teacher going to work. And I, I just, I can't see him fitting in with all the, the Paris Saint-Germain squad who are all decked out in Balenciaga and all this like fancy rubbish. And then him walking in like, yeah, I get, get my hair cut for, for 15 quid. Where do you get it? Oh, I, you know, people at, at PSG being like paying two grand for a haircut and stuff like that. just think he's a bit normal. He, he doesn't really fit with that Paris style. But I think if he leaves, he'll go back to, to the uh, Iberian coast and, and probably Spain rather than uh, rather than Portugal. I think I can see him playing in La Liga when he does leave City. But... Again, I can't see it being this summer, um, so I don't think City have got anything to worry about there. Yeah. I mean, Pep Guardiola is a very smart guy, so do you think he's made the right choice here, Ian, by denying this request and saying, no, you can keep Neymar, we're pretty happy with Bernardo Silva? Because Bernardo Silva is someone who has been linked with a move away, as Marley says, in recent times, but he's someone who knows the Premier League, he knows... Pep Guardiola's methods, knows his ways. He's very consistent, had a really good campaign last year. Guardiola often makes right decisions. Do you think he's made another one here? Yeah, I think you know everything's fairly steady away at, at, at Man City, isn't it? They, they know what they're doing. Um, whatever happens at the club um, is always done for a reason. They, 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 they're not erratic. They've obviously, things obviously are moving um, much more slowly in the background everything's thought out it's not knee-jerk reactions with signings they're always well planned and probably done a lot further in advance than any of us realize um you know as we know these things don't happen overnight i think there's maybe a, a misconception sometimes that you know it gets to transfer season and then football clubs are just frantically scanning round all the different players that are available and and picking the phone up and shouting bye 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 sell 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 and whilst that does happen i think on deadline day in some clubs for clubs like manchester city they've they've got a longer view of it you know this will be in a deal certainly with Ar- harland that'll have been worked on for years for example i would imagine maybe 18 months or or, or 2 years and um, and then they finally get their man, you know. And uh, it's they're a club that that can pick and choose who they want. And um, yeah, I, I think that whatever happens, whether Neymar signs for them or not, it'll be it'll be on Man City's terms and not on an agent or a player forcing themselves upon a side. In general, Manchester City, Marley, are one of only a few clubs who could probably afford Neymar if he did come to the Premier League. Another would likely have been Chelsea, but Abramovich has gone and we don't know their financial situation now. So it does feel like in terms of if PSG were going to offer Neymar to any club around the world, they're probably not going to offer him to um, Barcelona because they haven't got any money. He probably won't go to Real Madrid because he used to play for Barcelona and the Premier League clubs aside from Manchester City probably can't afford him. So it feels like if there was an option for PSG to try and offload Neymar anywhere, it would have been Man City as one of the, the front runners. Yeah, I mean, it's a very uh, limited market when you're selling a player like that. You know, there's there's maybe five clubs in the world that can afford him. Um, and, you know, it's, it often comes along that there's not 
it's not the right time for for players to to leave when and clubs aren't ready. You know, it, like if if this had been rumored for six months, maybe maybe Chelsea would be um, involved and and in, and interested. But they've got plenty of stuff to sort out. They've just signed Sterling. Um, they've got probably players to sell. They've got Lukaku's future to sort out when when he comes back off the loan. You know, they need to free up the wages there, so they probably can't afford him. And you know, it's the same with with other teams. Real Madrid are, are fine. You know, they've, they've just won the Champions League and La Liga, so they're not exactly crying out for for more help. And if this is just how it works, you know, um, it's about timing, isn't it? You know, I don't think Neymar is desperately pushing for a move. I think he's open to one if it came about, but. When there's five clubs out there who can who can afford you around the world and and they're all busy doing other things, you can't really complain. Um, and you're still on a healthy wage. You still got a chance to win the Champions League, and you're playing with the best player of all time and and probably the best young player in the world right now in in week in week out with Mbappe and Messi up front with you. So it's not not exactly the worst situation for Neymar to be in. Well, Man City were offered Neymar and they said no. So make of that what you will. Reports coming from the French press there. And we're going to switch from France to all the way down under in Australia, where reports from there have claimed that Harry Maguire was booed by the Australian Manchester United fans in their pre-season friendly against Crystal Palace at the G yesterday. Talk about that next after this on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. During the Premier League season, a brand new podcast every single day for you. Only two and a half weeks away from kickoff of the new campaign, Premier League season 22 23. This is an award-winning podcast and the only one that you can find that gives you news and opinion on the Premier League every single day of the Top Flat campaign. And we also have a brand new Twitter page which you can follow at FSDpod. So make sure you go and give that a follow. We're going to talk about Harry Maguire now who was booed in Manchester United's pre-season friendly in Melbourne, Australia against Crystal Palace yesterday. United won the game 3-1 in Harry Maguire played pretty well. It was a convincing win. Things are going well for Eric Tenag so far as new Manchester United manager. But the club captain, Harry Maguire, received boos during the game at the Melbourne Cricket Ground by the Australian contingent of Manchester United supporters. The question is, like I said, he didn't play badly. Why was he being booed? Is there any explanation for this? I don't... I really don't know. I mean... um. I'm not really sure why he's getting such a a lukewarm reception. And I know that you know he, he wasn't everybody's cup of tea through the course of of the last season. Uh, he has occasionally been been involved in one or two um, controversial incidents, I suppose, both on and and off the field over the time. But he's sort of become a bit like a pantomime villain, and um, it just really. I know that Ten Hager, I think, said afterwards that he just finds that it's all a little bit you know counterproductive really that you know if you're a fan of the the team then surely you, you know you should be backing all of the the players and not be a man united fan standing in a man united shirt booing one of your main stars it it just seems a bit bonkers really and this can happen with fans and i think of all sports you know the the i don't know maybe stuff that goes on online or, or whatever things just get stirred up and, and people latch onto stuff that probably half the time isn't even true. Uh, I don't know, just seems bonkers. And 
while ever that kind of stuff's going on, you know, that really impacts Manchester United as a whole because it, it, it puts pressure on Harry Maguire that doesn't need to be there. It, it upsets his sort of um, confidence, I guess, and people will say, oh, he's paid £200,000 a week, he should have more confidence, uh, he puts himself up for it. It, do, it does affect because you're human beings. It affects people. It affects the mood in the camp. It, makes the, it affects the mood of the supporters. They are not united. They've been disunited for, for too long. That's why they're where they are. And this kind of bonkers stupidity just, you know, doesn't help. And if they're going to go and win stuff, they'll need to sort everything out and draw a line under everything that's happened in the past. And if the manager's picking him based on him being a skillful player, then surely the the, the fans need to support that. That's that's the the clue is in the title, being a supporter. <laughs> Ian's right, isn't he, Marley? It's probably off the back of last season where Manchester United had their worst ever Premier League campaign. They finished outside of the Champions League places. They went through two managers. It was all very bleak and very, very grim. And Eric Tanag's come in and had a real rebuilding job to do. Harry Maguire was poor last season. I don't think anyone is sitting here and saying that he, he didn't deserve some criticism for his performances last term. But this is a new pre-season. It's a new campaign under a new manager. It was largely Australian fans inside the MCG for the game against Crystal Palace yesterday. Do you think that they were just booing because that's what was done a couple of times at Old Trafford last season when Maguire wasn't playing particularly well and it's just kind of caught on? Maybe they've seen it on TV and thought, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Or do you think it was a bit of a joke or do you just just think it's a bit of a head scratcher? Uh, I I think it's a a head scratcher. Um, I don't know why you would would pay to see your team play and and then boo a player I think I think if somebody's like done something bad in their life like they've broken the law for example and then they're back playing football I understand that you can boo them because you don't necessarily agree with the decision for example that the club has brought them back to play but when a guy is is in is in poor form you know I, I it's just so counterproductive to to boo him like he's not going to get better you know ultimately you want your player to get better and and be in his best form and, you know, play, play to his full potential. He's never going to do that when however many thousand, 50,000 idiots were booing him. It makes no sense. And the thing that winds me up as well is they've they've seen it at Old Trafford and they don't really want to boo him themselves. They've just seen people doing it and then they're going, well, that's what that's what we do now. We, we, boo, we boo Harry Maguire because he's crap. And it's like, you've just seen that on Twitter. You've seen it on Facebook. You've... You've seen people moaning that Maguire's not worth the money and you've decided now to boo him. But realistically, he's not going to be sold because he's Man United captain. He's not going to be dropped because he's Man United captain. He's on a wage which no one else could is is realistically going to step up and pay. So no one's going to come and take you away from him to try and offer him a way out or anything like that. Um, and, you know, as you sort of alluded to there, you know, Ten Hag's come in. It's a new era. It's a new time for Man United. It's the you know everything's kind of looking forward, and they've got rid of a lot a lot of the deadwood in the squad. They've now got a coach with a clear philosophy and a way of playing. Um, the results have been good in pre-season. They've smashed Liverpool. They beat um, Crystal Palace pretty comfortably yesterday, and you get like a section of of sheep really um, just booing booing Maguire because they think it's the thing to do. Like. It's strange. It's a friendly, for God's sake, as well. Like, it's not even a sort of 
a, a, a match which means everything and he's made a mistake or, or done anything recently. It, it, the whole thing baffles me, to be honest. But I think that's one of the... Um, one of the pitfalls of of being a, a big big global club is your fans are, are, are become diluted. Like we all know proper Man United fans um, on this podcast because we have loads of them coming on. People like Jay and and um, Dave uh, Dave Scott and loads of journalists who are Man United fans and and cover Man United and they all they all sort of echo what we're saying here. They don't understand they don't understand the the counterproductive nature of, of booing a player and I think when you become sort of big on a global brand when you go to pre-season tours and stuff it's all very like watered down they all want Bruno Fernandes' signature they all want to take pictures with with your big players they don't they don't know who Scott McTominay is they don't know who who uh, Charlie Savage and Will Fish are they don't know these players like and then so when they see things on on, you know, social media of oh Maguire's crap, it sticks in the head and they go oh well you know I'm gonna let him know what I think of him and it's like if you're a proper fan going to matches every week you talk to proper Man United fans and you talk to people who know what they're talking about and people who know what they're talking about wouldn't would never go to their their own club and boo one of their own players it makes such little sense that it's it's borderline. It's just maniac behaviour. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, Ian, how do you think Harry Maguire would be feeling himself? Uh, probably water off a duck's back to an extent, but it's the kind of thing that that builds up, you know. Um, and it, I don't think it really affects a massive amount of a player's performance, but it's just going to be that extra few percent, you know, that that confidence that maybe you have and you see the difference that the crowd can make when they really get behind a side you know for example um Liverpool in the that Champions League final where they came back from nothing and and they were willed on by you know a big a Liverpool crowd made the difference gave them the belief that they could do it and they did it but similarly it must work the other way that if if you've got people booing you it it is going to put you off isn't it you know, imagine yourself if you're playing a football match and all of a sudden, uh, even no matter how big the crowd was, a few people started booing you and were quite hostile towards you, but yet they're wearing the scarf or the shirt or whatever of your team, you would probably be, be a bit confused by that. You'd take it from the opposition fan, wouldn't you? you, you this guy's you, the captain as well. It's, yeah, well, you yeah. You, you'd, but you'd take, you'd take it from, from an opposition side. You'd think, well, all right, fair enough. But it does put you off. It does put you off. It must do. It's, you know, so it, it doesn't matter how much a person is paid or, or what, you know, what they may have done in the past. You know, these people are still humans and they read the abuse they get online. They hear the abuse that's shouted at them from the crowd and there's different ways to deal with it. Of course, there's the um, Eric Cantona way of dealing with it, which is sort of most frowned upon. But, <laughs> you know, these days you can't, you, you couldn't go around doing that in 1990, whenever, but you certainly can't do it now. Um, and, but it still gets to people. It, it must get to them. And it, it probably just confused, like, why? Why? You know, one of, and, and, and this is a player that, a year ago was was part of this England team that was getting to the European final and 
you know, everybody was was out celebrating, and yet their own fans, the, his own fans, Manchester United fans, are booing him at the other side of the world. <laughs> what? It's bonkers. It's people. It's the internet as well. It's the internet. It's, it's Facebook. It's groups. It's forums. Stuff gets whipped up. People get on a crusade, and I see it in in Speedway as well. You know, there there are there are people involved in that sport who get a huge amount of abuse for nothing. For nothing, for, for, for people who have made stuff up. You know, they've never met the person, they don't know them, they wouldn't say it to his face, but they'll shout it out from the crowd. And it's just like, it's just, it's weird. And I think in football it's worse. A pack mentality, it, you know, people feel that they own the players, that they own the club, and you don't. You know, they're, they're people going to work at the end of the day, they're very lucky because they get paid a fortune to play football. But you don't own them. And just because they have a bad day at the office, it doesn't mean you can just like, I don't know. It's just people need to get a grip, <laughs> basically. I mean, without wanting to come across all macho, I have actually met Harry Maguire once. And you're right. I don't think there'd be many people that would say it to his face. He's a big fella. He's a big lad. Yeah. And I don't think you'd be wanting to uh, to give him that sort of stick to his face. I just find it a bit strange. So, you know, it's one of those, isn't it? It's one of those. I'm sure we'll um, we'll look ahead um, from here on in and, and see more of that at some point, whether it be for Maguire or someone else. But it just seems to have crept into the game. Um, booing's always been there, hasn't it? And, and fans showing their their disapproval in whichever way and it's a it's a paying fans right though isn't it to 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 display their emotion in whichever way they they see fit but sometimes it just doesn't make sense and i think this is one of those instances i think that similarly it's interesting that even the people around harry Maguire are confused by it you know and and ten hag has has had a go at at one of the fans that was shouting out at him in no uncertain terms what the f are you doing and uh you know, it, it, obviously he's going to. He wants this stamping out, obviously, and maybe they feel that if they boo him enough, then that will get him out of the club. But why? Why? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Why? It's crackers, absolutely crackers. Difficult one to negotiate, but Manchester United did win that pre-season game yesterday against Crystal Palace. And that brings us to the end of today's Football Social Daily. We managed to navigate our way to the end of the show. The Heat in the UK playing absolute havoc. Appreciate you listening as ever. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the show again. Not long now until we're back in the full swing of things and the Premier League season will begin. We'll be back as well with seven shows a week when that season does start and we'll be hearing from former Premier League professionals right throughout the course of the campaign. And we want to hear from you guys as well. You can get in touch with us on our new Twitter page at FSDpod. Give us a follow on there. It'd be great to hear your opinions. But that is it from myself, Ian and Marley for now. We'll catch you in a couple of days on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.